Sullivan testing the Portuguese. You know, I like to be fit and healthy, so the best way I know is to just get out there and run. Running was an outlet for me to, I guess, feel good about myself and, and take out some of the angers that were going on in my life. Sonny O'Sullivan is going to take the world title back to Ireland. When you're pressed for time, what is the best weekly training plan? Is it possible to prevent runner's tummy? How do you push through when your body is begging you to stop? With just two weeks until our first ever official Irishman running abroad in-person race event, Sonia Sullivan's 10-mile road race in Cove on April 3rd, we opened up the mailbag for your questions. We're going to let the greatest of all time answer your concerns, your queries and quandaries today. But first, Sonia, you're on the line back from Belgrade and the IAAF World Indoor Athletic Championships. How was it? Yeah, I, I suppose it was, it was good. I suppose you weigh it up, you know, in the parts that affect you or why I was there. Mm. And then the overall, you know, I suppose, outcome of the World Championships. Yes. And um, so, yeah, they're, they're always, you know, like any championships, they're quite emotionally draining the whole thing. Yeah. And, you know, it's, there's a real buzz when you, you know, you're going there and just when you get there, it's all a bit exciting, just kind of figuring it all out and working out your little daily routine and back and forth to the track and things like that. But then as the days go on and, you know, when you're, so focused on a few athletes and getting them to go out there and to run their best and then sometimes you know things don't go to plan and things happen that you have absolutely no control over mm. and yeah you can you know you you have to try really hard to get yourself back up for to actually enjoy the event then because you know I mean part of this whole thing is that it's a great sporting event and you know even if things don't go right in your corner and I've been there so many times myself and you know I definitely beat myself up down through the years that now you know I try not to let that happen to me because you know you you do feel for the athletes when things don't work out and you understand you know how they're feeling but at the same time you realize that it's not the end of the world because mm. thing, things do turn around and you know, the, I suppose the more positive and strong you can be, then the quicker you can turn things around and, you know, I suppose um, put things in perspective and and then move on to the next thing. Obviously, Jessica Hull, uh, who we had briefly on the podcast a couple of weeks ago now, it's mad that that's two weeks ago, performed great. You must have been so happy with the result there. Uh, I mean, she really has bounced back. Uh, she has, and you know, she really kind of found a new lease of life. Just spending a bit of time here in Teddington before she she went out there um, after running a race in Madrid, Madrid that she wasn't overly happy with, hmm. and you know, then just trying to reset and recalibrate things and get herself back going again. So it was fantastic that she managed to get sixth place in the three thousand meter final, and then I think we were all banking on you know USA <laughs> in the men's four by four relay. Yeah on the weekend and Donovan Brazier was a part of that and you know he kind of put all his eggs in one basket by going with that rather than mm. going with the individual 400 meters you know in hindsight I think he might have done differently but you know you, you're kind of depending on other people for your results yes. and um, you know like anything 
to get from the heat into the final. There's always a little bit of risk involved there. And just, you know, so unfortunate. One of the athletes got injured in the last lap of the 4x4. Four four. It looked so um, painful. Was that it just like a snapped hamstring or something, was it? I actually don't know the details of what it was. But it looked like he got shot in the back of the leg when I was watching it. Like he yeah. managed to keep going. It was nuts. It was definitely an acute injury, you know, that kind of came out of nowhere. And he hobbled around the track. And, you know, it was one of those things, I'm sure, if it was an individual event, He'd he would have stopped yeah. and probably crashed to the floor. But because he was part of this team and, you know, they were depending on him getting around. And he was, it was just one second short of getting into the final. I mean, the margins are so small. Yeah. And, and, you know, the Irish, the Irish men's four by four, you know, they actually all ran really well, set a national indoor record. And, you know, they were probably less than a second short of um, making it into the final, just a six-team final indoors with just six lanes. Mm. So, you know, you have the, the highs and lows of the competition. And, um, yeah, back to the drawing board. Yeah. Well, aside from, obviously, the great performances by the Irish athletes, some really, really standout performances there. And, of course, that world record set in the triple jump, which was, you know, that wasn't fine margins. She was so far ahead of everybody else. The Ukrainian success in the high jump was a big story. But a huge story was, of course, the defeat of Jakob Ingebrigtsen, the Norwegian kind of wonder boy. I'd love to get your take on what happened there. It's since emerged that he has COVID-19. Is there a feeling now that, oh, that makes sense? Well, I suppose you could say that, but, you know, I, I don't think it affected him no. in the race. I mean, I think it, it's one of those things. I mean, you know, when you read something like that, all of a sudden you start thinking, oh, I've got a bit of pain in my head. <laughs> How am I feeling? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know, I better do a lateral check, flow. Check, yeah, Checking check in temperature and everything. And, you know, there is this bit of panic because, you know, it's like everybody is testing positive at some point now and you're just kind of thinking, you know, will I be next mm. or, you know, when is it going to happen? You know, I'm just hoping it kind of passes me by me too. and I get it and I get it and I don't even know about it. <laughs> but he, he looked like he was he was just out thought in this race. Now, that's my, you know, amateur view of it, that he was made do to make all the running and some more experienced runners kind of tagged along and knew we'll get you we'll get you coming around this final bend have i got that wrong it was definitely a very tactical race i think jacob ingerberson he's used to getting into the front and pushing on but it's slightly different indoors there's a few more bends and it just kind of seeps away at your energy mm. just taking those bends every time and it's not the same as you know running flat out outdoors and kind of getting away and creating a gap. So he just wasn't able to break Tefira and the other athletes. So they were always within range. And you could sense that because he was looking around a lot. Yes. Jakob. And, you know, you'd have to think that would be wasting a little bit of energy as well. Mm. Um, you know, he's he's very confident when he's doing that. And what was he looking around for? Like, you, you've obviously been in that place, too. <laughs> 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 Gotta know, they're definitely still back there. <laughs> I mean, what are you yeah. looking around for when you look around so often in a race like that? I don't, I don't think I was a much of a looker arounder. <laughs> <laughs> looker arounder, yeah, yeah. I don't think I had the energy for that. It was kind of head down and hope for the best. And I think that's you know the best option. I think you're you're always. I'd say if you did a few you know 
scientific tests on people looking around and people just focusing on looking, running straight ahead. You're obviously taken away from your forward running motion when you're twisting like that. And, you know, for someone who's as good as Jakob Ingebrigtsen, he, he does get away with it, maybe in the heats more so. Mm. I saw him do it in the heats as well, and he kind of eased up and, you know, tried to get in as easily as he could. But, yeah, I, sometimes it can just be a habit that people get into, you know, looking yeah. around the place and checking to see, you know, how close the person is. And, I mean, I don't know what he's going to do about it if they're too close, because, you know, at that point in the race, it's very hard to react Mm. Um, when someone has the forward momentum, you know, coming past you at the end. But I actually, I was reading a book the whole time on the flight out and I finished it on the flight back. It was Gert Ingebrigtsen, so Jakob, his father, and coach down through the years, even though at the moment I'm not sure he's as hands-on as he was. And it was the, the Gert, Gert's methods, you know, and training. And it was very, it's very interesting. I must get my hands and, on it. What's it called? Yeah, I'll send it to you because it's uh, it's written in Norwegian and I have a translated version of it. <laughs> okay. And um, so it's just um, readable on the iPad or the phone. And anything, anything earth shattering or groundbreaking in what he said? Because we've got a lot of questions in about training here today. Yeah, I mean, it's it seems to be more about the whole mental approach and organization of things and just you know, just there's not really the specifics on the actual training sessions, but it's how they approach the training, how they approach the races mm. and um, just kind of having your house in order and um, getting building up a lot of confidence and belief and, you know, just really just working hard. Well, that actually is a great way into our first question from Ian O'Brien. And it does feel like this is a question about having your house in order. I teased it up top, but uh, he says that he's really looking forward to Cove. We, of course, had Mick Clossy on the show on Sunday, and he definitely piqued a few people's interest because Mick gave a great review of the hills section of what he viewed as the challenge facing people heading to Cove on April 3rd. Uh, I loved that. We even got a message from uh, a listener saying, that it calmed his nerves to hear it was Tom Corcoran got in touch to say that it calmed his nerves to hear Mick break down the hills the way he did but Ian O'Brien gets in touch saying that he's really looking forward to it but a little less so now he says after doing the Mallow 10 mile race on Sunday he said I did the Dungarvan 10 miler last month without any real problems and I've been training well yesterday though being Sunday I did a 10k PB but then had a terrible last 6k and had to walk a few times with some awful stomach cramps i nearly stopped but the crowd and the pacers and the fellow runners kept me going i love hearing that i managed 80 minutes which is nothing to sniff at ian in fair place fair play to you for doing that he says it's good for me but the last few k were very uncomfortable he said the walk to the portaloo afterwards i'm sorry for laughing was the longest of my life <laughs> And this is what makes it worse. There was no toilet paper when he got in there. I mean, this is not an embarrassing running story. This is a genuine question. He said the one hour drive back home was even worse. And he took two stops at McDonald's, three in Dunn's. And he planned dinner of steak and chips. I had to replace it with a modium and an early night in bed. And he just had a nightmare, Sonia. His question is, can you avoid runner's tummy by doing something better? 
having your house in order, as you say? <laughs> is it the hydration? Is it the food? Is it the pace? Is it a combination of all of these? And I love that he gave us this because he breaks down what he had. He had Weetabix and coffee at 7.30 in the morning, eggs and toast at 9.30. And then the race was at 12.30 where he sipped on water on the way. Did my usual warm up, maybe went a little bit fast. <laughs> then I planned in the first 10k rather than my 10 mile. He says he did his 10k pace rather than his 10 mile pace. Any advice I will now be treating Cove as a fun run rather than an all out. Kind regards, Ian O'Brien. What do you reckon, Si? Uh, I'd say a combination of everything there. I mean, the, a wheat a bit. I mean, he had a double breakfast. Yes. <laughs> he was really fueling up. Wheatabix, I'd say now that would be high risk to be having Wheatabix in coffee. Why is that? Well, aren't they full of fibre? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, if you, if you, I've, I know I was reading something recently about somebody's diet or listening to them on a podcast talking about the diet going into a marathon and how they speaking with a nutritionist that they advise them, you know, to stay away from any kind of fibrous foods, which would be fruit and veg and and any kind of brown bread, whole, whole, whole wheat and grains and things like that. Things that we, you know, eat because they're healthy and they're good for us. And everybody's kind of leaning that way. But then when you're kind of within the 24 to 48 hours of the marathon or a big race that you're doing, that you'd actually pull back and, you know, replace it with more kind of white, stodgy type of carbohydrates rather than the fibrous ones, which are more likely to upset your stomach, even though it's something that you may eat daily and regularly. Yeah. And yeah, I mean, people think tend to think you need to eat a lot before going for a a race and you really don't need to eat that much if you eat enough the night before and I think you have to keep it really basic like some days you know I get it when I go for a run in the park here even some days I go out there and I can run around for 60 or 70 minutes no stops and in other times I'd be stopping two or three times mm. and you know it's the days that you don't stop or the days that you have to you know, think, OK, what did I eat last night or what did I do right? You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. In and the, in the I, fueling and the, the drinking and eating that you're you're doing. And so you, I suppose you have to start thinking about this a fair way out from any planned races so that you can take the time to work it out mm. and then to write it down and remember it. Because that's the thing is you often, you know, you say, gee, I felt great today. But then don't really analyze it as much as when you don't feel so good. You know, we tend to analyze things more when we have problems than when we have mm. no problems. Yeah. Um, and it's the, the no problem days that we need to repeat, not yeah. the, the problem days. Yeah. It's like when um, Tina only notices when I don't empty the dishwasher rather than the days when I do. <laughs> <laughs> he, he, Ian has had a day here where the dishwasher wasn't emptied and he's now pulling apart everything. But the pace has to be a consideration, doesn't it? He went out really hard. He sounds like he had a Fred Hughes on on this, that I went out and ran the first 10 at five minute pace in that. And it just the bunk of the the 11th K is a killer. He's got to learn there clearly that, you know, that was too fast. And coupled with, (laughs) as you say, the Weetabix coffee and the double breakfast, uh, it was a recipe for disaster. 
Yeah, you definitely need to balance your effort. And, you know, 10K and 10 miles is a world apart, really. You know, the 10 miles is six kilometers more. So it's mm. nearly the same again. Yeah. So if you do go out too fast, then you're definitely going to struggle at some point in the race because you can't maintain the pace. Whereas if you if you back off a little bit early on, then you can probably maintain the pace for longer and then even get to a point where you may be able to pick up the pace mm-hmm. towards the end of the race because you haven't kind of depleted your whole system by going out so fast. And I think that's the thing that a lot of runners get when you go into a race. And I mean, I think you can get away with it in, in 10K a lot, but it's like a 10 mile, a half marathon, a marathon, you can totally deplete your system and, you know, physically, internally and externally to the fact that it does actually upset your stomach quite a lot. Mm-hmm. And and it can be very hard to eat anything afterwards and to you just don't feel right. And I think things like that are hard to manage because you do just push your body so hard that everything is working on different levels. And so... They're kind of calling in all the reserves to say, what's going on here? We need to sort this out. And you do start to feel a bit horrible. And I think, you know, anyone who's run a marathon will definitely notice that you it's like your stomach is turned inside out after it. And, you know, as much as you want to eat a lot after a marathon or you think you want to eat a lot, oftentimes you can't. Mm. And it can take a long time to kind of build up the strength within yourself to be able to, you know, eat normal food again. And sometimes it can be affected by the the electrolyte drinks that we have and the the gels and things like that because they're just not real food. And so as much as they're giving energy and hydrating you, they're also causing all kinds of stuff to go on inside you because there's a lot of sugar in there, a lot of fructose and sucrose that, you know, we need for the quick energy. But it can eat away at your stomach and really play havoc mm. with the with the internals. Well, Ian, I really hope we see you down. We will see you down in Cove, Ian O'Brien. And I hope that, that answers your question fully. If, you, if you're just tuning in and this is your first episode of Irishman Running Abroad, we are, of course, talking about preparations for Cove. And we say the countdown to Cove, it's Sonia's Cove 10 road race on April 3rd. It starts at 10.30 a.m. And it is, of course, a fundraiser for the Irish Cancer Society, Breakthrough Cancer Research and the Further Development of Ballymore Cove Athletic Club's juvenile facility. So you'll be helping Ireland's future athletes. You can register for it at My Run Results now and... Maybe you don't want to register. Maybe you just want to come down and give it a look. We're all working at a different effort rate. As you say, Sonia, it is about Ian O'Brien finding that balanced effort rate. Sarah Kelly gets in touch with a question on the same kind of end of things. She says, I would love Sonia's advice on how to push through in a 10K. I'm training to try and finally go sub 40. My current PV is... (laughs) This is heartbreaking. 40.25. Missed it by 25 seconds. But I just find it so hard, she says. She then has a gritting her teeth emoji, it has to be said. (laughs) I think a lot of it may be mental. But I'd love to hear Sonia's take on this. Thanks, guys. What do you reckon, Sonia? Yeah, benchmark, you know, targets can definitely, um, I suppose, they can become very difficult for people to achieve them because they're so focused on that time 
and it nearly becomes impossible. It's like a barrier mm-hmm. that they have to, you know, break through at some point. And often when people do break through it, then they have no problem doing it over and over again. But I think, yeah, it may be down to getting the right race and being with the right people around you and sometimes even not focusing too much on the time as you're going along. I know one time I ran a 10K, it was in the Phoenix Park and it's fairly undulating in there. Yeah. And I had seen the kilometre marks were clicking off my watch as I was going along. And I thought that I was way off. And I think similar, I ended up with something like 40, 20 something. And I kind of thought, if I'd known it was going to be that close. But I think when I was in the middle of the race and I saw that a lot of the kilometers were not under four minutes, I nearly started to give up on it and say, I don't think I'm going to make this today. And then you can kind of stop trying hard then because you think, well, why am I going to waste this effort? And I'm not even going to get there. Yeah. So sometimes you just have to, you know, believe that you don't have to be running that much underneath your target pace early in the race to actually achieve it later in the race. Because sometimes the in, the competitive instincts can kick in later in the race and you'll be able to raise your game a little bit and, and gain extra seconds in the latter part of the race because you're actually feeling good and you haven't got to the point where you have any lactic buildup in your legs that's holding you back or you haven't any... You're, you're just a bit fresher when you get in. You see, you run it 10K, you know, you can run it at a fairly steady pace. It's not like a 5K where you do have to be hell for leather from the start. Um, the 10K, um, you can definitely balance it out a little bit more. And actually, be interesting as well, you know, what kind of time she can achieve for the 5K. Mm. Because sometimes you can make a calculation based on that. And then if you make a calculation and you can see that what you can do in the 5K equates to in the 10K, then you start to have a little bit more belief and confidence that it's achievable and that you can get out there and do it. Yeah, like I do feel for Sarah and I think she's been in touch. She's, I think she's running out in the United Arab Emirates. So I wonder, is that a factor in this, Sonia? Because I see her her 5k best is 1917 but doing that in that kind of heat it's like she must be she must be capable of running much faster than that in a cooler temperature my heart also goes out to her because of you know our breaking 20 challenge there was a thing that it does get in your head then you kind of have explained to me in the last couple of weeks the power of turning off the bleeps and bloops and auto cues (laughs) is there an argument here for her trying to do one without any pace notification and just running it on feel and effort alone, as McClahassey said on Sunday. Yeah, you can definitely surprise yourself when you do that. If you just go into a race and you just go out there with the intention of running and keeping up with people and, and, and not worrying about what pace you're going. Just yeah. going out there and, and just getting a feel for it, yeah, knowing in that first kilometre that yeah, maybe you've gone a little bit too hard because you do because of the adrenaline and then being able to pull it back and to find the pace that you can maintain for all the way through the 10k and then you know be able to pick up pick up the pace towards the end as well um but yeah i think also the yeah, in the warmer weather it would make such a huge difference yeah. to if you had the opportunity for sarah to come and run in a cooler 10k yeah she needs um, to get herself to go she, she would really notice a big difference if she did that mm. 
um, it's like as if all of a sudden you can breathe again and the, there's more just more oxygen in the air and it, it's such a big difference to if you've been in hot weather training or racing and then to go to a cooler place it's like all of a sudden you just feel lighter and more energized and it's like in the hot air sometimes you feel like you're carrying the air mm. but 1917 for 5k normally what there's a bit of a rule of thumb there where you can double it and add a minute and that would give you your 10k time so she's she's well on She's well on Please. track, yeah. Target uh, to be able to do that. Well, we hope you get it, Sarah Kelly, out in uh, Abu Dhabi. Best of luck with it, and hopefully, yeah, we will see you at uh, back in Ireland, running in cooler temperatures, much much faster. I had a couple of questions that were in really quick ones, Sonia, on the on the text uh, on the text on the Irishman abroad live line. Uh, one person wants to know what is Sonia's favourite cheat food. This is not a training question, but more just a curiosity. What was your favourite cheat cheat food? I'll start this with back in the day and right now. It's probably similar. <laughs> I don't know if it's cheat food, it's more treat food, you know. Yeah. I think, um, I, I mean, I always chocolate. Chocolate's always a favourite of mine. And I'm very seasonal with the chocolate. So whatever's around for Christmas or Easter or Mother's Day or whatever it is, you know, I mean, on all that. And uh, um, when I was in the in the house in Teddington, it was Tony's. <laughs> Tony's chocolate was the one that was leading the way. Is that always the way? Oh, Tony's Chocoloni. That's kind of a new one now at the moment. Yeah, I'm into that because they, they're they a bit seasonal. They had their little squares at Christmas and they got their Easter eggs now as well, which are and very nice. I like to have different flavors of chocolate. I am you know, the, the worst. The, the chocolates that kill. Like, I am the absolute <laughs> chocoholic. Like, I can't have it in the house. Uh, I want to get a Jack Hanley here really quick before we go to our break. Jack says that he is not an Irishman running abroad, but he is a Welshman running in Ireland, just like St. Patrick, he says. So the podcast has been a godsend since I arrived here from London. Anyway, I had a question for you and Sonia. I signed up for Sonia's Cove event months ago and was up to distance by the end of January feeling really good about it but then I pulled my calf which uh, I then rested for a few weeks before being hit by COVID so I'm only back running again in the last week and wanted both of your opinions on whether it's too much of a stretch to go ahead with Cove given how I don't know the circuit and there's just two weeks left and I'll add to that the hills I'm just up to five miles again on relatively hilly farm roads in Cork. What do you think? Thanks, Jack. Uh, well, I, I wouldn't pull the pin right now. I mean, I it's it's amazing how many times people just want to something happens and they say, oh, I can't do that. I've, I've got to pull out. <laughs> and this is and this is at all levels, like from the elite level. Really? You know, oh, yeah. I mean, there's kind of if you have a bad training session. Like or a bad race, and it's so easy to kind of think, That's oh, no, that. I don't, I don't think I can do this next race. And I think you have to really step back from it and say, okay, well, maybe I'm not ready for this race, but I don't have to decide today. There's still mm. ten days to go, and I can wait right up until the last minute. You know, I mean, mm. unless you're planning to do something else, then I would wait it out and just kind of have a very balanced training plan over the next week or so and really just take it one day at a time and just kind of get as much positive feedback as you can from the runs run easy on the easy days uh, run steady on the hard days just to really just get your heart rate up a little bit 
um, maybe work on some threshold runs. I wouldn't worry too much about anything too fast and just see how you go with that. And then on the day, one great way of doing something like a 10 mile run is to set out and say, okay, maybe I'll just run a mile, walk a mile or run a mile, walk a half mile and just break it down like that and just come down and enjoy it and get a feel for the course. And, um, and then maybe you'll come back and, you know, you, the, the bar will be set pretty low if you throw in some walks along the way. Yeah. Um, and then you'll know the course and can come back again next year and really give it a good go. Um, but I think, you know, there's definitely room for taking it easy and enjoying it. And, you know, when you come and you line up with people and you don't put any pressure on yourself, then you can really enjoy something at a different level. And I try to do this often and I fail miserably at it, particularly at the park run. I will often go over and say, oh yeah, I'm just going to run around at 4.30 per kilometre pace today. And you start off the first one, it's about 4.10. And then you've just ruined it. (laughs) It's just so hard to back up from that because you've already got yourself in this kind of state of, you know, mm. starting too fast that you've thrown away the opportunity to just go out there and to just enjoy running around at a nice steady pace and, and feel how good it can feel just to back off by, you know, 10 or 15 seconds per kilometre. Yeah, I mean, Jack's email is doubled up. I'm not going to read out all the people who got in touch with similar questions, Sonia, but we did get quite a few people in touch going, and Jack's was the best example of it, where they didn't feel like I don't know if I've got this in me <laughs> I <laughs> I know we're two weeks away now and you know part of this episode and the reason why we opened up the mailbag was you know doubts and uh, pre-race jitters we did a whole episode on that very normal but I'm reassured to hear you say that thing of if Jack goes down and right up to the moment that he stands there in in his fancy runners he can he can walk away but also as you say he can more than likely find a group of people running it at the pace that he'd like to run it at that he feels comfortable running it at and still get that enjoyment of walking a bit of it running a bit of it and getting to cross the line and getting that fancy medal and it has to be said Sonia they are very fancy medals this year Uh, (laughs) I'm looking forward to getting my hands on one we have so much more to get through in the second half of the show over on patreon.com forward slash irishmanabroad this is of course a crowdfunded podcast support is the only way that we make it takes hours and hours and hours to get each episode made the only way we can afford to do that weekly is through your support so come on over join up support us patreon.com forward slash irishmanabroad and the second half Sonny, we've got uh, a lot of questions about nutrition do you need a snack if you're doing a 10 mile road race do you need to stuff some jellies <laughs> into the shorts <laughs> i was amazed to hear how many people think you absolutely do we of course have more questions from you the listeners will have sonia's tip of the week which she has diligently prepared on the flight back from belgrade <laughs> and we'll go around the parishes to see what our listeners have been doing Asanya frantically flicks through the pages in the background thanks for the first half of this episode Sonia. we'll be back in a moment over on patreon.com forward slash irishman abroad one of the keys to like maintaining your brain mass is pushing past that comfortable zone physically you know exercise wise 
first time in his life, the champion of the world. Imagine you know, a world where everybody could go out the door and engage in the kind of exercise that's going to make them more relaxed, more healthy, burn off stress.